0: our God, isn't he? (sighs) I think this may be the last week I wear this scarf, until next year. (laughs) Only particularly because it's getting warmer too. What a great game, really. I know some of you are thinking, oh, he's not possibly going to speak about the AFL Grand Final. I say to all of you in love, (laughs) yes, I am. If you haven't yet worked out I've put on Facebook recently if you don't know who I am and the way that I speak and how I jest and the laughs and my pranks, if you don't know me yet and you're offended then it was never meant for you yeah in our house if you don't know me yet then you you'll get to know me uh, over a period of time. What a great game yesterday like whether you like the the sport or not it's a great game anything that's competitive really i I, I love to watch i, I it's it's just it's great to see some competitors, some combatants coming against each other and, and just watching that. And I love the, what I love about the AFL Grand Final is just the way that it, it garners and gathers people around. You know, you go, the streets were dead. There's, there's more people on the road on Christmas Day than there was yesterday. But what it meant was people were in homes and they were with family. They were, they were watching, celebrating. They were keeping some people calm, you know. <laughs> Can I, it was somewhere around half halftime, one of my sons, Nathan, decided that um, he was going to barrack for the swans. <laughs> and every time, every time our team did something wonderful, it, it was a fluke, it was this, it was that, and I was looking at my phone, and I don't know what one of them said, but it was like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm looking up a way how to kill a child and hide him from people. <laughs> like, I was so tense! Like, it's, you can't speak about things like that. But it was an epic game, not just because my team won. It was just our nation, our nation actually stops. It's a really important game. It's an important game. And actually, any of those sports where they have a pinnacle, a premiership, a grand final, they're important games. There's, There's blood, sweat and tears that people have poured in over long periods of unseen time just so that they can lift this, that, that silverware, that cup, yeah? I mean, yesterday, men faced off against each other to chase a leather ball so that they could hold a silver cup. I have no care for a silver cup in my home. And really, if, if it wasn't for the game, if you just saw someone running outside after a leather ball, you'd wonder what was wrong with them. <laughs> really, wouldn't you? But here they were, they, from the moment that the, the ball was bounced, people ran and they chased and they bumped into each other and there was yelling, there was screaming, there was kneeing, there was punching. Like it was just so good, like it really was. Especially the biffo, the, the bodies when they crashed and they collided. For two hours they battled. For two hours they battled. For two hours I paced, I bit my lip, I, 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 I bit my nails... I was punching a poor Dave and Naomi's couch. One side of it's lopsided now. You know, I was making coffees. I was moving away from the screen. I was trying to stop myself from, from taking out frustration upon my children, particularly the, the Sydney Swan supporter. I was looking for Valium. It was super intense. But what a game. So... I was, I've been reflective overnight. What does it take to be a premiership champion? What does it actually take? Yeah, And I loved not just one, but all of the scriptures that Adria shared, because some of that is, there's the secrets, the nuggets on what it takes to be a premiership champion, to have grand final faith. Yeah. So why don't we just pray and see where God takes us? Because... I believe, I firmly believe, the Western Bulldogs won because there was, I'm, I'm going to hang around, I don't, I don't preach in points, I don't like using points, but there are five things that, that I think the Bulldogs did really, really well that epitomizes our faith if we want to be what I'm calling today grand final Christians. If we really want to be grand final Christians, not every day just going through the motions, making up the competition, Yeah, if you want to be grand final Christians, and we know who grand final Christians are, Because we buy their CDs, we listen to their messages, we go to their conferences, we're inspired by them, motivated by them, encouraged. You know, like we we stand in awe of them because they are grand final Christians. Yeah? So let's pray. Father, give us the wisdom, Lord, to know your voice. Give us the wisdom to hear your, your counsel and your guidance. Father, help us always that we may every day be more and more like your son Jesus, that we might grow in strength and in wonder. Father, and in your power, we thank you, Lord, that you've given us all that we need for that to be a reality. But I pray, God, that we would truly walk that out, that we wouldn't just go through the motions, Lord, that we wouldn't be every day filling up the number of Christians, but, God, we would be grand final Christians. So, Father, I just ask that you would have your way today on this wonderful day. And everybody said... Amen. So, if, for those that grabbed, grabbed a, a newsletter, the Logos, you would have noticed at the front, I actually, I wrote at the front, and I mentioned five different points, five things that I thought were uh, are outstanding, but for me, if I'm looking at the game yesterday, but just not yesterday's game, even in general, the reason that the Western Bulldogs were able to get up is because I, I think they had the greatest desire, and, and I think they were the most disciplined. In everything that they did. I think that they had the greatest amount of commitment and focus. In fact, they were prepared to sacrifice more. And all of these things really gave them some character. And that character shone. And at the end of the day, they, they lifted that piece of silverware. Yeah? And so now we are... Oh, they are. Oh, we are. You know? <laughs> 2016 AFL premiers. Like, for the first time since 2008, I actually might have to buy a membership. You know, like, do you know I had the opportunity to go to the game? Do you know I was offered a ticket to go, but I chose to spend it with my friends instead. They'll tell you that it was because it, I know, you should clap that. That, that, They'll tell you that it was because it was a standing room only ticket. And there may be some truth in that. But I'm going to stick with I chose family and friends over the grand final. I'm just putting it out there, just so you know how good of a person I am. <laughs> I could have got a seated ticket, but that was in the four figures. <laughs> oh, wow, well, scalpers make money. Anyway, in the game of football, and I am going to use the, the game as an analogy as we go through, but the game of football, there's a whole stack of people that, that make up the game. You know, you've, you've got the people that are on the field, people that are coaching, all that sort of stuff. But you've got, you know, on average, you've got 22 players per team that make up the competition they play the game, yeah? But then there's only two teams that make it to the grand final, and at the end of the day, there's only a handful of people that are actually premiership players, grand final players, a grand final team. So, so my question after a lot of reflection last night was, so what does it take for us to be grand final Christians? What does it take for us to to be... Not set apart, because we are set apart, to, but, but to stand apart. Yeah? To be those people that people want to be with. To, the, to be those, those Christians that inspire others. What does it take for us to be a grand final Christian? And, and I think it takes those things. It takes desire, discipline, commitment, sacrifice and character. So, if you've got your Bibles, let's have a look at 1 Corinthians. We're going to jump into 1 Corinthians. Chapter 9... We're going to read from verse 24. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9 from verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Well, really, you're telling us that we should run in a way to get the prize. It's almost like he wants us to not be better, but to be better. Not to be better than others, but to be better, Yeah. In the passage, something I learned while I was doing some study in the passage, and the reason that Paul refers to running and competing and training is because at the time in Corinth, every two years, a little bit like the Olympics, they would have what they call the Isthmian Games, the Isthmian Games. So they would actually compete like the Olympics. They would get together for that. I had no idea. Now I know why he used that as a reference. I just thought he chose to use it as a reference. I thought, well, it's a really good analogy. I like that but it actually hit home for those that were there because in Corinth, they had these games every two years. So Paul, knowing the times, uses a reference that the people would understand, that that athletes would compete for a crown of leaves. That's what they competed for in those days. But he's saying, hey, we can be competing for something more, for a prize that has lasting significance, yeah? For a better prize. And so... I reckon the first thing that we've got to consider if we want to be grand final Christians, if I'm looking at, at, at my team, is desire. We need to have desire. Like flat out, in capital letters, desire. Because verse 24 says, Don't you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. So Paul's saying run to win. He's actually telling you, play the game in a way so that you can win. He, you gotta understand, he's speaking to us, yeah. So, a desire is to want something, but for me, a great desire is to want something so bad that you can almost taste it. Is that a fair call? Yeah. You want it so bad you can almost taste it. I know in my kids when they want something, when they have a great desire, because the the asking of it elevates. <laughs> you know especially if you're driving past the golden arches. It's like they can taste it. The asking of it elevates. All of a sudden, their life depends on it. If they don't get those French fries, oh my goodness. you know. But only my kids are like that. I know that. So for those playing in the grand final, there's no greater the desire than to win. There's no greater desire than to be premiers. There's no greater desire than to be able to lift up that silverware, yeah? To lift up that cup. To raise it above their heads. For us, if we want to be grand final Christians, there's no greater desire than to to be in and to have a close, loving relationship with Jesus. Yeah? That has to be our greatest desire. Like, it's so... The desire is so great that you can almost taste it. J. Vernon McGee is a Bible teacher. And he wrote many, many, many moons ago, that the highest desire that can possess any heart is the longing to see God. Is the longing to see God. So a desire that big should compel us to run with all that we have, yeah? Like, if that's our greatest desire, and no greater desire can fill our heart, then everything we are should be to grab hold of that one thing that we desire. Everything that we are. Unfortunately, I... I'm gonna make a sweeping generalization. A lot of us, instead of going for gold, using that analogy, are quite happy with silver and bronze. Yeah? That wasn't the attitude of these guys yesterday. Yeah, That wasn't their attitude yesterday. They could taste victory and nothing, nothing, nothing was going to stand in their way. Just imagine for a minute. Imagine if our desire was so great that we would let nothing get in the way of our relationship with Father God. Nothing. Like nothing. Nothing get in the way. That means no work can get in the way. No matter what happens. That means no school, no matter your exams and study. Nothing, nothing. Nothing can get in your way of your relationship with God. No no relationship issues, no issues, no problems, Tribulation, circumstances, nothing. Just imagine if our desire was so great that nothing could get in the way. Imagine then the type of Christians we could be. Yes, we're, we're his sons and daughters. Yes, we're citizens of heaven. Yes, we're ambassadors. Yes, he has placed his fullness inside of us. There's there's nothing more that we can get inside of us, but the living out's a whole different ball game. Yeah. Just like you've got to get this, because just like J-Pez, that you prayed that prayer to move the tent pegs, we have the fullness of God. But I keep saying, how long's a piece of string? Because God has no beginning, has no end. You can't measure His fullness. So, there comes a time in us, in our living out, that though we have the fullness of God, oh, all of a sudden we're living in a whole nother level. It's like we've got something more. Yeah? The desire is so big that it causes us to do and to try everything that we know is right. Now, go with me here. Paul uses the analogy of the athletes, athletes have coaches. And their coaches tell them and teach them and train them how to do things. If you're a runner, how to swing your arms, how to lift your legs. When, like, Even if you were speaking to Wilson, Wilson trained my son. And he goes, at the takeoff, you start like this, and you keep running with your head and your body leaning forward until a particular time when you come up. They train them, they teach them how to run. yeah. And now Paul says run in such a way... To win, run in a way that you've been taught. So you and I have got a coach. His name's God, Father God, Daddy, Papa, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. If you want to go King James on me, yeah? We have a coach. And he speaks to us through his word, through one another. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, doesn't he? And even look, Joshua 1:8. For those that did foundations last week, they'll know this. Keep this book of the law always on the lips, meditated on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. In other words, what it teaches you, do it, then you'll be prosperous and successful. James 1.22, don't merely listen to the word, so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what you're taught. Do what you're taught. John 14.26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things... And we'll remind you of everything I've said to you. So we're being taught, you and I are being taught, we're being trained every day how to be grand final Christians. Every day you and I are being trained. Now, do everything you can because of your great desire to run in a way that you can win. What are we trying to win? We read it before that the highest desire that any man can possess it, that, it, that can possess any heart is a longing to see God. The lo- so you want more of Him. It's a desire for more. It's a desire for more. It's a desire for more. Yeah? The pearl of great price. I'll go and sell everything I have and come back to grab that. That thing because I want more. I want more. I want more. I want Him. It's our greatest desire. Now, if that's not consuming us yet, then we need to sit with him and ask for that desire to consume us. Because it should be, as Christians, sons and daughters of God, our greatest desire. And that's only one of the things to be a grand final Christian. So we can lift the silverware and make a difference. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just like everybody else. We're just like, I was going to say Richmond, but that would, that's too close to home. Like Essendon. I don't know. Who's on the bottom of the ladder, Samuel? Okay, who's the next one up? <laughs> like Brisbane. We can go Brisbane. <laughs> Just like Brisbane. So this is not, please hear me, this is, this is not about what we're not. Yeah, It's all about who God sees and what God sees in us and what we could be walking in. Amen? It's not about what we're not. It's never about what we're not. The other thing that that set the Western Bulldogs apart yesterday was discipline, but not just on the day. They actually say that discipline's the fuel for success. Another really bad analogy, or a better analogy, is that you could be the best car at a car yard, but if you don't put petrol in it, it's not going to go anywhere. Is that a fair call? Discipline for us is like that. Now, I prefer the word delight, yeah? But I know that in some areas of my life, I'm still living in discipline. Yet I know that in some areas of my life, I'm living in delight. So whatever word works for you, use it. Change discipline and delight and and interchange it, whatever it takes for you to understand what it's going to mean for you to be a grand final Christian. So 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. There's a discipline. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, Paul tells us. Every athlete goes into strict training. It goes on to say, Paul says, I beat my body and he strained and I pressed on. That's what the scripture says. So if you think about it, for those of you that have ever done any sort of weights or gym work, Yeah, Um, I'm just told this, yeah, I don't, obviously I don't know this from personal experience. But apparently when you're doing gym work, whether you're doing bench press or you're doing arm curls, whatever you're doing, the idea is to add weight and weight and weight. So it gets harder and harder and harder. Gets to the point that your muscles are burning. But if you can press through, if you can get to the point of failure, you actually build muscle in your body. So Paul tells us that he beat his body, that he put it under strain, that he kept pressing on. He felt the burn and he pushed past it. Why? Because he needed the muscle. He needed the muscle. Now we're talking physically, but we're talking spiritually, yeah? He needed the muscle and the skill to pursue his desire. And his desire was more of God. What am I saying? Maturity in Christ just doesn't happen. Maturity in Christ isn't about how long you've been a Christian. Maturity in Christ actually takes hard work. Yeah? It actually takes hard work. I'm not talking about our salvation and I'm not talking about our identity. But I am talking about living out our salvation in our true identity. It takes hard work. That's why it says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. I need to imprint that scripture in my mind and heart for some different debates that I get myself into from time to time. You know, We've got the fullness of God. We don't have to do anything. You know what? I hear what you're saying. I'm going to sit with Paul on this one. We have the fullness of God, but now let's train ourselves to be godly. Hebrews twelve seven. as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? The focus here is as you endure. That means there are things, times, days that we're going to go through. We are going to go through them. And he says, but as you endure, it requires a discipline. It's hard sometimes to be a Christian. Yeah? It just is. Sometimes it's hard. I don't feel like reading. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like worshipping. I don't feel like loving you today. But I know that's just me. Yeah? But sometimes it's hard. It's hard to be a grand final Christian. You know, I've heard it said over and over that there are no shortcuts to getting to peak physical condition. And there are no shortcuts to getting to peak spiritual condition either. There are no shortcuts. that just aren't. I'm sorry if you thought there was. Yeah? The Western Bulldogs, they trained every week. In fact, daily. All building in the hope that they would be the grand final team. They were disciplined. And actually, they delighted In that discipline, the camaraderie, you saw it at the end of the game. And as believers, if we want to be grand final Christians, we need to train, we need to be disciplined. We need to be delighted in the things of God. Yeah, Especially, as Paul says, if we want to run the race in such a way to win the prize. Yeah. I don't know about you, I want to be a grand final Christian. I want to be a grand final Christian. Tom Landry is a a football coach in America. He says, the job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to be. Yeah? And, And I know that in my own walk and the people that have spoken to my life, you know, that men and women have spoken into my life to get me to do what really I don't really want to do. Like, it's not that I don't, don't like it. I just really? Do I have to? You know? But to get me to a place that I've always desired to go to and to be the person that 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 I just long to be. Yeah. You know, most of us want to win, but we we don't want the suffering that goes with it. Yeah? We just don't want the suffering. It's, a hard, it's really hard to forgive that person. You know, they're a beep, 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 beep. It's hard to pick up your Bible sometimes, especially if your new favourite show just came on. Luke Cage, it's really like, wow, well, don't. <laughs> it's hard to find time to pray. It means I have to get up earlier or stay up later or to sacrifice something. Oh, I don't know. It's hard to love each other, one another, when we disagree. It's really hard. Bible calls us to unity. The church has confu- confused it with uniformity. Yeah? Unity is not uniformity. As Christians, we're called to love one another even when we disagree. Yeah, That's sonship. Yeah? Sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes it's just hard. But these disciplines, these delights, they'll help us grab hold of our greatest desire. Daddy, yeah? Philippians 3, verse 12 to 14 says, Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, one of the things that was so evident with the grand final for me yesterday was the commitment that it took. It was commitment. They were committed. And commitment will determine whether or not we see Christianity as just an everyday local sport or whether we see it as the pinnacle AFL competition. Yeah? That's the difference. Now again, I love my sweeping generalizations. It's like an LMCT at a car yard, isn't it? Like, you know. Commitment is dying. It's it's a dying trait. It's a dying art. You know? It's a quality that the generations before knew so well. But it's not a quality that from today on, really, so to speak, that the generations know or hold dearly, like those from yesterday. You know, often these days, when life gets tough, we just check out other options, don't we? Don't like that restaurant? Find another one. They make a bad coffee. Do that. My marriage is not working. Find that. You know, whatever, whatever it might be. You know, we just bounce around. We just bounce around. You can see the trend in every area of life: school, churches, workplaces, relationships. Stickability is a rarity. Like, it's easier just to say, "We're out of here." But yesterday, yesterday's victors, yeah, did I mention their name with Western Bulldogs? I just wasn't sure if I mentioned. When the going got tough, they got tougher. When that going got tough, I walked into another room. (laughs) But they got tougher. They did what we call the one percenters. They ran and they smothered the football as people were going to kick it and they tackled really hard and they punched the ball when the opposition was going for marks. They did what we call the one percenters even when it hurt. When some of the opposition looked like that they couldn't run anymore, our boys kept running even though it hurt. They did what they were taught in training, to run in such a way that they could win. If we're gonna be in a grand final, if we're gonna be grand final Christians, then we need to be committed. Committed to the small things. We just need to be. We need to find delight in spending time with daddy. It was never going to be easy, but it becomes easier as we mature in him and grow. Yeah? Again, I'm just told third hand, yeah? People who exercise initially hate it. I'm told that I I can I can confirm that. I hate it, yeah. But I'm told, I'm told, I'm told by others that initially when people start to exercise, they hate it. But as they continue to do it, so this is now foreign to me, as they continue to do it, all of a sudden, that discipline has become a delight and they enjoy it. And in fact, it's quite frustrating when they can't do it anymore. I don't understand that. It's like a brainwashing, isn't it? Do you know, I stayed up really late Friday night and I watched a couple of the old grand finals. Just, Mel goes, what time did you come to bed? It was like, I don't know, 3 o'clock. So, what were you doing? <laughs> Watching some old grand finals. And the first one I watched was the 1989 VFL grand final, Hawthorne versus Geelong. Now, I, I just want to sh- share this because it, it, it captures commitment, yeah? The Hawks won. They beat Geelong, even though Gary Ablett had the best grand final day of any individual ever, really. Kicked like nine or ten goals, he broke with some record, you know. Dermot Brereton got knocked out, but not only did he get knocked out, he suffered broken ribs and a bruised kidney. It actually caused eternal bleeding. Now, get this from the um, the doctors and physiotherapists. Barry Gavin wrote this. The thing that really struck me was how bad he was when I got there. He'd lost all colour in in his face and was vomiting. He dragged himself back on his feet by this stage, but he was doubled over, dry reaching, and his colour was grey. There was no way he could stay out there. I remember looking up at Hawthorne coach Alan Jeans in the box, and and starting to try to get him off, Dermot said, no, no, just get me to the pocket. Terry Gay, Hawthorne's team doctor, came out. He was more worried than me. He recognised the gravity of it, but he got up. He played the game in that state. Some madness there, but this commitment, yeah? um, Robert DiBio Domenico played the game, got knocked. They They broke his ribs and punctured his lung. So he couldn't even breathe and he kept playing the game. There's insanity there. But what I want to show you is the commitment. Yeah? We, we look at these men and women of God all over the world that inspire us and think, oh my goodness, wow, what a word, what teaching, what an anointing. But what we don't see is the commitment. When life's thrown eggs at them, they just wipe themselves off. They bawl their eyes out. They get with the people around them and they get up again. They're grand final Christians, amen? Are we ready to be grand final Christians? Let's face it, life is full of peaks and troughs, isn't it? Yeah. And an analogy that I picked up at a conference and I've shared with some people here if you think about the peaks and troughs we go through in life, if we can just go through them, yeah, the peaks and troughs, if you draw a line across all of those tough times, we now have a crown that we can wear as a child of God. Amen? Yeah. What we see in the peaks of troughs is, well, life's good, woe is me. Life's good, woe is me. Life's good, woe is me. But it's the troughs, yeah, that give us the ability to wear the crown as sons and daughters of God. Philippians 3.12 says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. I haven't reached it yet. I'm not there But I'm pressing on to take hold of of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul's telling us, listen, I'm not there yet, but I'm pressing towards it. I'm committed to this. I am committed to all that Christ wants to do in me and through me for those around me. I'm going to keep pressing forward regardless. I'm committed. Western Bulldogs, we're committed. You know, and I think any grand final team, there's a sacrifice you know, sacrifice is often the difference between being a success and not being a success, really. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. Let us throw off everything. Let us throw off everything. Maybe one more time. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race, again, marked out for us. So to sacrifice is to give up something for a specific purpose, isn't it? To sacrifice, you pay a price. And the grand final team paid a price. If we want to be grand final Christians, if we really want to be grand final Christians, only you know your desire, how great that is. Whether you have got the discipline or delight or how committed you want to be to that outworking, yeah? And that reforming and reshaping. Because he makes us more and more into the likeness of his son, doesn't he? Yeah? What are we willing to sacrifice? Are we willing to pay the price? Whatever that is for each each and every one of us. See, there are things that we'll give up to be able to grab hold of our greatest desire. Daddy, there, there are things that we'll commit ourselves to just to be able to run the race in a way that we can now win. The players took the field yesterday, they make sacrifices all year. They're not allowed to go out over certain times, they can't drink, they can't do this, they can't do that, because it's a physical sport, yeah? And those that do that get penalised, suspended, fined, etc., etc. All in the hope of winning the grand final. So what will we, what will you and I sacrifice to see our relationship with Papa grow? What will you and I sacrifice to see his name glorified and made great? What will we sacrifice? Will we actually sacrifice? I don't know, maybe our favorite TV show. If you're fortunate enough, you can tape it, watch it another time. Maybe we'll sacrifice the extra hours of work or study for our faith, for that desire to grab hold of him, yeah? Maybe we'll sacrifice some of the relationships that are in our lives that aren't good for our faith. Maybe. What will we sacrifice to be grand final Christians? Now, the Bible puts it this way in Luke 9, verse 23. Then he said to the crowd, if any one of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Yeah? The beauty of sacrifice, this is... You're going to love this. This is really exciting now. You're going to smile. The beauty of sacrifice and the burden of sacrifice is that it's not just a one-time event. How good's that? You get to sacrifice over and over and over again. It's awesome. It's like a never-ending packet of Tim Tams, but every Tim Tams a sacrifice. Just when you think you got to the end of all your sacrifices, you can start sacrificing some more. Also, you can grab hold of your greatest desire, the loving relationship with Father God. Come on. The grand final Christian, like the grand final player, we keep training, we keep sacrificing. There is no off button, there is no off season. That's why it says in 2 Timothy, be ready in season and out of season. Yeah? Paul didn't rest when he was successful all, all of a sudden. Not even when he was old. He kept on pushing and pressing. And I'll, I want to finish with this. The last, thing, the last thing that I think set Western Bulldogs apart yesterday was their character. But what you don't understand is your desire, your willingness to be disciplined or to step into your delights and your commitment and then your sacrifice Those four things, yeah? Those four things actually create your character. It's like it's like we're saying, God, you are my greatest desire. So, because it's my desire, I'm gonna do anything I can for it. Yeah? It's like when you're chasing your partner. If you believe that she or he is the, the one for you, you'll do anything to get their attention, you know? business people that are wanting to be in a success will do anything to be successful. It's a desire that consumes them. Yeah. So we have this desire for God, for more of God. So we start to put some disciplines into place. Some of them are delights and we're praying and we're reading, we're hanging out with Christians, we're going to friendship groups and church because we love church because it's the family of God. Don't listen to those that are at, people that are out there. We're doing all of this stuff and then we're committed. We're committed to growing in Him and then we start to sacrifice stuff in our life and we start to mature in our faith and God says you know what? Man, I'm going to give, oh, I'm going to pour so much blessing upon you that you're now becoming more like my son, from glory to glory and strength to strength. And he goes, "Now that you're becoming more like my son, because you've got everything in you, but now you're, you're doing stuff, now, 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 now you go out. You can do greater things from this place than even I could do. But you know what? It started with his sacrifice, followed by ours. Idris put it perfectly. Often we, if this was the cross, we're straddling the cross and wonder why we're not growing. Got to move away from his sacrifice and step into ours and then live in our sonship and allow it to flow. Charles Reed, he's an English novelist. He wrote, Sow an act, you reap a habit. Sow a habit, you reap a character. Sow a character, you reap a destiny. Looking at the players that took the field yesterday, the grand final players, their character is made up of all those things that we mentioned. All of them. Their desire, their discipline, commitment, their sacrifice. So their character shone through. It formed their character. And character for us, the Christian, is becoming more and more like Jesus every day. That's how it's defined. Our character is defined by being more like Christ. That's why Paul trained so hard. Philippians 3:10 says, "I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming. You've got to underline becoming like him in his death." Paul was becoming. He wasn't there yet. He was still pressing toward the goal. But he was moving in that direction. Each day he drew closer. Why don't we stand? If anything today, if you get anything today, there's two things you've got to get. Barrack for the Western Bulldogs next year. And two, make a decision to put some things in your life that will build your character and make you more like Christ. Amen. See, Paul, each day he drew closer because he had a desire, a great desire to, to be like God, to build his relationship with him. Yeah. Like that's just, that was his life. That's what we read. He was disciplined and he lived in delight. He constantly wrote letters and visited people and and helped them and taught them how to be more like Jesus. He gave them tools. He was committed regardless of his beatings or shipwrecks and what he went through. He was committed regardless of a punctured lung or bruised kidney or internal bleeding. Committed. Committed. And he was willing to sacrifice to develop a godly character. You know, if you and I do the same, really, if we do the same, when we do the same, let's change the wording, when we do the same, we grow from glory to glory and strength to strength, becoming more and more like Jesus every day. I don't know about you, but that's an awesome piece of silverware to be able to lift above our heads as grand final Christians. And it's up to us. See, the game that we're playing is more important. It is, act, it is more important than yesterday's game, yeah? Yesterday's game was awesome, but this is more important than yesterday's game. You and I are the key players in this field, you know? We have the opportunity to play for eternal rewards. We can win a prize that will never dim. But the outcome's up to us we decide if we'll be grand final Christians. And you know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know it can sound tough. I know it's... Well, again, look, maybe it's just me. Maybe it just sounds tough for me, yeah? But we can. We can. You can. We can. See, He chose us. Amen. He predestined us. Amen. He adopted us into His family Amen. He's given us his ring, his robe, his sandals, and we've been drafted into the best team. Desire, discipline, delight, if you like, commitment, sacrifice, character, they are already inside of you and me. They're already there. The fullness of God is inside of you. They're already there. So it's not how we start the race, it's how we finish it. So, and we just have to run in a way that we can win the prize, our greatest desire. So today, you and I choose. Today, we choose. Do we want to be grand final Christians? Yeah? So why don't we close our eyes for a moment? Andrew, can I have the keys for a second? Would that be all right? Just the keys. And, and I just want to ask a question. Deep, deep down, in the deepest recesses of your heart, do you want to be a grand final Christian? Just answer it for yourself. Do you want to be a grand final Christian? Will you do anything to grab hold of your greatest desire? Do you want God to fan into flame that desire, that desire for Him, and more of Him to be not just in a relationship and not just in a loving relationship but let's go deeper again in a close loving relationship with Father God is that your greatest desire? Because today I just, I just want to pray just while we're in a sense but I, I want to pray for some people that know that there are things in life that seem to have taken the place of that greatest desire. And I think God just wants to do a little bit of reordering and rearranging. And I believe there are people in this room that want to be grand final Christians, that want their faith to make a difference. It's not that your faith doesn't. It's not that it won't. People... It it does already in your sphere of influence, but you look at other men and women of God and you know that there's more. There's more power. There's more anointing. There's more love. There's more forgiveness. There's more mercy. You spend time with particular people and you come away encouraged and inspired and deep down inside, you think, man, I would love to be like that, but I'm just not. I want to pray for those people today too. So with every eye in this place closed, not looking at the person on your left or your right, not looking at the person behind you or in front of you, I want to ask you a question. And I want you to step out in faith and and indicate just with your hand, no one's looking. If you want to be a grand final Christian, I want you just to raise your hand. Don't worry about the person next to you. If you want to be the person that can make a difference, to grow in your Christ-likeness, I just want you to lift your hand. You can put it back down once you've done that. We're going to pray for you. But if you're in this room and you know that your greatest desire is not, Not to have a close, loving relationship with Jesus. Like you desire it, but you just know that in everyday life, there's other things that seem to consume you and take that place. Today's a day where you need to draw a line in the sand. And as Trevor once put so perfectly, the line in the sand is not not, not a starting point. The line in the sand is what we draw behind us and we go no more. We step away from that. And we step into what we desire. If within you, you want your greatest desire, you want a a burning passion for Jesus, I want you to tell Him and raise your hands. I want you to say, that's me. I want a passion inside me that's so uncontrollable. I want a desire for more of Him. I want to be not just in a relationship with Him. I want to be in a deep, a close, a loving relationship. I want you to raise your hands and say, God, that's me. I want more of that. with every eye, continue to be closed. We're just going to pray. We're going to pray for those two things. And we're going to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to come and He's going to impart an extra unction of Himself for you. That He's going to fan into flame a desire that will consume you. And when that happens, Don't come to me and go, I I just want more. I can't get rid of it. I, I just want more of God. The rest of my life seems like it's falling apart. I just seem to be concentrating on Him. Don't come running to me. Because you put your hand up to say, God, I want more of you. I want you to fan into flame that desire where you consume me, where I become more like your son Jesus, where every decision I make and every word that I speak is to glorify you. so we can be a grand final Christian. Amen. Father, right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would touch in great power. Lord, that people would tangibly feel your presence right now. Lord, that they would have a new encounter with you. Lord, that there would be an overwhelming sense of your love and your desire, your belief in them. Right now, God wants to know that he's proud of you. Lord, fan fan into flame that that thing that's inside us. Lord, for those that raise their hands, God, elevate the desire that they have for you. That, Lord, you would be all consuming. Lord, that you would, God, in that consuming fire, that the other things that have taken place in their life, that that first place, that they would just burn away like, like jaff, God. Lord, that they would be irreversibly changed. That they would go away, Lord, knowing that they've stepped to a new level of strength and a new level of glory. Lord, we pray against any fear. We ask that perfect love would come as they start to experience more of you. Lord, that they'll discover that when they pray, people will be healed. It won't be a shock anymore. It'll be the normality. It'll be normative, God. God. Father, for those that raise their hands to be grand final Christians. God, to leave a lasting impression on those around us. Father, to be full of desire and discipline and commitment and sacrifice that we might be more like your son. Father, I pray even now, God, Lord, for that extra unction upon them. Father, may they know your presence right now, right at this moment. God, may not just be fleeting pieces of paper in the Bible. May be a tangible experience, Lord, that they can write in their journals and diaries and say, this day, God touched me. This day, God strengthened me. This day, God invaded my life and changed me forevermore. God, I pray that as we walk out from this building, we would be Christians that lift that silverware above our heads. God, that people would want to come and know about our victory in you. Lord, that we would be such a people that we change what's happening in the community around us. Lord, grand final day Christians, Father, not playing in a local comp and not just making up numbers, but Lord, your children, warriors, ambassadors, citizens, that you would receive all glory and all honor. So Father, seal this prayer by the blood of Jesus. Father, may each and every one of us not be the same ever again. May our thinking be changed because of our greatest desire. May our life be shifted and moved because of our discipline and commitment. Father, may we grow in strength because of our sacrifice. And Father, may we truly be more and more like your son, Jesus. So we thank you. We declare and decree, God, this to be so in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And all these people said, have a wonderful day. God bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen.